Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Well, we have a great lineup today. First, we have a classic message preached by Pastor Carl Stevens on the calling of God. And then we have a a great privilege of airing a message preached by Pastor Tom Smith at the International Convention in in our sound booth. And we thank him very much for doing that. Please enjoy both messages. And thank you so much for tuning in so faithfully. Here's a prayer from the Apostle Paul. I pray that you may have the spirit of application, wisdom, and revelation, that is, illumination of something precise, and the accurate, thorough knowledge of him in the data case of great advantage. That is exactly why... Why a real Christian wants to be alive today is, is to to live in the sphere of knowledge about Him, but have it be accurate and thorough. And here's the principle: if it isn't accurate and thorough, then the Christian is committing sin, and he's living in sin—not a mistake and not ignorance, but sin. Because he's got the opportunity to have it be accurate, he's got the opportunity to have it be thorough. But if he doesn't want it to be thorough, then he's living in sin. And don't you ever forget that. Then verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The word enlightened is photizo. And it goes having been enlightened. And it's it's an imperfect tense. It's a middle tense. It's happening. It isn't completed yet because they're going right on to be lightened. And it's a middle voice. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened through what? Through the word of God, which is revelation. And the participle is causative. It's caused by the word of God. So photizo is used for inward enlightenment that has a spiritual revelation about Christ. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Notice, the knowledge is of him. And now, it's his calling. Why is that important? This is so important because the knowledge has to be of him. And the first thing is, the eyes of enlightenment come in. And then we don't learn about our calling, we learn about His. What is His calling? Well, it's a heavenly calling in Hebrews 3.1. It's a holy calling, and it's a high calling in 2 Timothy 1.9. So here it is that you may know what is His calling. And His calling is simply that in every single detail of life, that we will realize it's for our sake, that we may give out grace, that we may be conformed to be like him, and that's his calling. So often we want to know our calling and miss the entire point of his calling. What is the hope of his calling? That we will be absolutely like him and conformed to his image. It's a present and it's a dramatic or it's an intense present. It's an active voice and an indicative mood. Now, the next part says, And what is the riches of the glory 
of his inheritance in the saints. So far, it hasn't said a single thing about us. That God would show us the knowledge of him. That God would show us the hope of his calling. And now that God would show us what is the riches of the glory of whose inheritance? His in the saints. So God wants us to know what his inheritance is in us. Every single thing is dealing with him. The absence of us. Then it goes on to say, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Here, power does not mean strength or might. It means authority. So what is the exceeding greatness of his authority? To us would who believe this is the first time that it brings in something that we do and there are seven things mentioned here this is the first time it deals with us so this authority is revealed toward us that we believe and this makes the glorious gospel a very precious thing because it says according to the working of his mighty power and that power this time has to do with the energy and dynamics of miracles. The energy and dynamics of miracles, energia, which he wrought in Christ. Notice, he wrought it in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You're out of that one too. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name is named not only in this world but in that one to come. It's all Christ and you're out of that one. Put all things unto his feet. You're out of that one. Gave into the head of the church which is all things and that fully depends upon Christ which is his body. How many are getting the idea that he wants everything to be understood to be his, 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 his. He wants the Holy Spirit to reveal what he has wrought in me. And you'll notice it does not say by me, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And here it is again, the fullness of him. And I've never witnessed in all my times of studying Ephesians the preciousness of Knowledge of him, hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance, his, his, his. And that's what the Christian life is. Then it says that you had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, once again, who did the quickening? He did. Where in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that I work is in this children of disobedience. And this doesn't have to do with the Christian. This has to do with Romans 5.12 and 5.19, children of Adam in the first Adam, among whom we had our conversation in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherein he loved us. Once again, it's all God. 
His great love was toward us when we were in trespasses and sins. His great love was toward us when we were selfishly living in pride and arrogance. So he made a move. His move was because he was absolutely rich in mercy. It's one thing to be rich. It's another thing to understand that he's rich in mercy. Then the manifestation of it is a great love toward every single person that is absolutely lost. And that's the principle. So far, we're going to see that there are seven things, and the only thing that deals with us is toward them that believe. That's it. This is the glorious gospel. We, wherewith he loved us, is a fantastic historical heiress. And as we go into it, it means that all of our history and then out of time, he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. Now, can you picture in your worst day in the world, or worst year, or worst month, this great love trying to find you? Picture the worst things you ever did, but don't reflect them because you don't have to. But while that was going on, it says, even when we were dead in sins. Seven tremendous things demonstrated toward us, even when we were dead in sins. Then it goes on to say, hath quickened us. All right, who did it? He did. Hath quickened us together in Christ. By grace you are saved through faith. Quickened us. And raised us up together. Who did it? He did. The moment we believe. And made us sit together. Who did it? He did. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Whose grace is it? His. In his kindness. Whose kindness is it? His. Toward us, Sir Jesus Christ. So how is he going to reveal his grace? In kindness. Not in strong terms. Not in negativity. But in kindness. All of this grace toward us that believe. Given to us. That he might show it and reveal it. In the ages to come. For by grace are you saved through faith. Now that goes right back to toward us that believe and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Now, in this passage, a person that becomes very quiet and they're not, very, they're not conscious of people. They're not conscious of their job and they're not conscious of pressures. and They're not conscious of their need of sleep. They're not conscious of anything. And this is how you begin to let the Holy Spirit teach you. You come in the awesome presence of Jesus Christ. And then you read a passage like this. And then you just, best you can, focus on Christ. And you go over every one of those things that I mentioned. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit floods you. Because the knowledge is not about tongues, it's Him. Not about the Sabbath, but Him. Not about your sins, or your weaknesses, but Him. It's not your calling, it's His. 
It's not what you do for inheritance. It's that his inheritance might be revealed in you. And then he's raised up far above principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name the name in this earth and the one to come. Then it shows us what we were. And then it says, but he was rich in mercy. His great love, even when we were dead in sins. Why am I uh, saying this today? Because in teaching passages like this, you fall in love with God's character towards you. Number two, you fall in love with God's character in you. And then you fall in love with God's character for you. Then it makes it very easy to have his character manifested through you. Here's the cross. Our sins put Jesus Christ on the cross. The evil world put him on the cross. It was everything that we did and everything that we were that put him on the cross. So I have to leave the world side of the cross and come onto his side. I can never become worldly because the cross stands between me and the world. And in order to go into the world, I have to go through the cross. In order for the world to get to me, it has to be through the cross. Because the cross put Jesus Christ to death because of our sins. My old sin nature put Jesus Christ on the cross. And the cross wants to stand between me and my old sin nature. It wants to stand between me and the devil. Because he had to go to the cross because of Satan, what Satan did to us. And that is why the centrality of the message from Jesus Christ in Galatians 1.4, in Galatians 6.14, in Galatians 2.20, and 1 John 3.7. It's the cross. People that live in sin are people that have taken the world's side of the cross. People that live in their old sin nature have taken the flesh side against the cross. They have taken Satan's viewpoint of self-preservation against the cross. And so the reason that is so crucial to understand this is every day of our lives we have to make very sure which side of the cross you're on. You start arguing with somebody, your loved one, your partner. And I want you to know that you're taking Satan's side of the cross as a Christian. What does Galatians 6.14 say? God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. What does Galatians 1.4 say? Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, According to the will of God and our Father. So the cross delivers us from the attitude and stress and strain and pressures of this present evil world. And not a single thing but the cross can do it. 
That's why the cross isn't popular. Because it wipes out Adam's rights, the world's rights, and the devil's rights. But when we read Ephesians 1, 17 through Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we get this great picture. The knowledge is to be of him, that is his hope, of his calling, it's his inheritance, it's his power, it's his resurrection, it's his ascension, it's his impartation, and it's his great love, and it's his richness and mercy, and it's his kindness and grace. And that's the principle of today's passage. And as you think about it, and as you dwell upon it, it should always cause tremendous worship and thanksgiving because it's an entirely different gospel from what will be preached Sunday morning in thousands of pulpits that believe they are evangelical and they're evangelical in name but they don't have this life from Ephesians and they're either this way or they become liberal neo-orthodox neo-evangelical and compromise convictions to get people out. Father, we just thank you today for your love. Thank you that it's your grace. Everything was you in this passage. The only thing required of us is that we would believe. That was it. That was it. Let me illustrate, for example, his calling. So many people never deal with his calling. Never. They deal with theirs. And if their calling doesn't conform them to Christ and obey the Great Commission and the Great Commandments, not his calling. He has a hope in his calling. It's to make us like his son in our calling. And if he doesn't make us like his son, if we're not being made like the son in our calling, we're not fulfilling the hope of his calling. How many understand it? And we're not learning the knowledge of him. The same thing is true about his possession in us. The hope of his possession is that he completely possesses us. If our calling, he's not able to possess us, then we're outside of his calling. Because his calling is what? Heavenly, holy, and high. And remember, he doesn't work through us any more than the power that we allow to be in us. And he doesn't do for us beyond the power that we work that work in us. So you can be bankrupt, you can be focused on yourself, make an emphasis on yourself, or you can release this power and have him go beyond what he asks or think. That's entirely up to you. You can have it either way. Either way we want it. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. This is Pastor Tom Smith from Grace Christian Church in Culpeper, Virginia, affiliated with Greater Grace World Outreach in Baltimore, Maryland. The story of Samson 
is about a man that God loved and God had a plan for his life. You know, many of you have probably heard the story. Samson had a call on his life. He took a vow, a Nazarite vow, to serve God. Part of that vow was that he wasn't going to cut his hair. He wasn't going to drink wine. There were certain things that he had to keep pure before God. And uh, that's where he gained his strength from, from God. And Delilah, Delilah tricked him. But that's not really about what I want to talk about right now. The fact that the Delilah tricked him and, and he made like the most obviously stupid mistake of his life. Um, Delilah said, if you love me, you'll tell me your secret. So that she could tell the Philistines over and over. He, he kept joking with her until he eventually told his secret. And they cut his hair, poked his eyes out, and set him to turn a grinding wheel. But the end of the story is, is really good. It says that uh, his hair began to grow again. His hair began to grow again. And when we walk with God, we all mess up. And some of us mess up big time like Sam, Samson did. But the wonderful thing is that God, He who calls us is faithful who will also do it. And the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. When God calls you, he, he will not leave you. And His calling is permanent and sure. And He will perform what He began to perform through you. And so Samson, his hair began to grow. And in the end, he killed more Philistines than in all the other times. And that's a warrior. It was a man of God. God's blessing did not fail. It was amazing. He messed up. And his hair began to grow again. I just want to tell you about the love of God. When you see the love of God, it's like when you're in a dark place and light comes in. It said that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now, Jesus Christ is light. And the darkness does not comprehend it. When the light comes in, the darkness does not comprehend it. I heard a story of a pastor in Springfield, Massachusetts, who was going into the prisons. And he had a poem from an inmate. The inmate in his poem was talking about how supernaturally the top of his cell was opened up and he could the light was coming in. The light was coming in. And that's what happens in your life when you see the love of God. When you receive Him, light comes in. Understanding comes in. We understand that He cares for us. We understand that the world was created. We understand that we have a purpose. We understand that we're not just, um, we didn't just happen by chance, by an accident, but that God the Creator created us and we're on His mind and He loves us. 
We're on His mind. And He loves us. The mind of Christ. The mind of God the Father. God has a thought. And His thought is toward you. He has an invisible thought. And you have an invisible mind. How does one convey an invisible thought to an invisible mind? By words. We use words. If you speak English, then I speak English in order to convey a thought to you that you'll understand. If you speak Spanish, then I speak Spanish and Chinese and etc. Now, God has a thought. His thought is, I love you and I want a relationship with you. But sin is in the way. Sin is in the way. I love you. I want a relationship with you. So He provides a way to have a relationship with us. It says, In the beginning was the Word, in John chapter 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I think it's in verse 12. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, what language does God speak to us in? He speaks to us in a language that we can understand. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ humbled Himself and came in the form of a man. And why did He do that? It says in Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the Word of God. The Word of God became flesh. The Word of God was demonstrated. The thought, the mind of God, the love of God was demonstrated for us in Christ. And He died for us. And it's on the cross that we see that. The death of Jesus Christ. And we love Him because He first loved us. When we see that, we respond. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. This invitation was recorded in Baltimore, Maryland at the GGWO International Convention, June 2010. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, I would invite you to respond. Just pray with me right now. God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I receive that payment for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I want to go to heaven when I die. I just receive what Jesus did on the cross for me. I receive your love right now. In Jesus' name, amen.